Hello and welcome to Horror Culture Show, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're continuing Pride Month. Yeah. After discussing the end of the Hellraiser franchise, Ugh. thank God, last week we are here with a special guest episode because as you know, every year for Pride Month we try to have LGBTQ plus guests on every episode. Of course, we didn't have anyone on Hellraiser, but it was a last minute change around, so. I, we didn't want to put anyone through Hellraiser Judgment. Why would I, we do that? I, I don't know how proud I am anymore after that Hellraiser. I mean, we're, we're proud after the remake. That was, that was great. Oh, yeah, let's not get into <laughs> Hellraiser. I've said enough about that franchise. But yes, today, returning to the podcast after discussing Blood Feast with us for Nasty November, we have an hilarious TikToker, the owner of one of the coolest physical media collections on Instagram, and Rene Harmon's superfan, it's Ben Simpson. Absolutely, I'm back again. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. Happy June, guys. Yes, happy June. Happy, happy June. Happy June. Do you think if Renee Harmon was still alive, she'd be celebrating Pride Month? I think she'd be celebrating Pride Month every month. She'd wear a different think... colour every day of the flag, wouldn't she? Yeah. I mean, she just screams ally. She does. She does. Well, that took me a minute. I'm getting my Renee's confused. Do you think it was Zawager? No, I thought it was the... <laughs> We've all been there. ...one from Sweepaway <laughs> Camp 2. <laughs> I was like, no, uh, Lady this? Street Fighter. Lady, of but, yes. course, Lady Froze, Street Frozen Scream. Yeah, Frozen Scream. Lady, tell me why so. Yes, no, of course. <laughs> I, I am aware now. Yes, the one who taught acting. Yes. <laughs> Despite him learning acting. <laughs> Uh, but today, we we're, unfortunately, we're not discussing Renee Harmon. Instead, um, we are delving into something that has the same name as a film from last year. So don't get confused, everyone. It's Prey from 1977. Yeah, Predator prequel. <laughs> oh, shit. Whereas, the French, <laughs> whereas French people know it, uh, the zombie from another world. Is that is that true? That is yeah. the French title for the film. Yeah. Do you know something? I'm sure because I I thought the French title was something about Amityville Park because there's is yes. that Italian? Oh, because hang on, but I know I'm interrupting already. But I'm sure on the inside of the indicator Blu-ray, there I, is I, yeah, Amityville Park. Terra ad Amityville Park. Yeah. I, to be fair, yeah, that looks more Italian. Now, that's the Italian title. Yeah. So yeah. French, you know, the French people want it as a zombie. Italian people want it as an Amateurville film. Um, what, what, what do we want to say? They what, make what is the shit up as they go along, <laughs> don't they? They really do. No, who's the fucking zombie? I know. Zombie from <laughs> space. Space zombie. Is that what he was? I mean, his English was perfect. So it, it was. Maybe he was. was. Maybe he was a zombie. Um. Yeah, I mean, I Prey definitely describes it a little better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, this I is think the, the, the title comes sort of it comes full circle, doesn't it? Because it's yes. kind of the last line of the film. It does. Yeah. Uh, this is directed by Norman J. Warren, who made classics such as Inseminoid, Bloody New Year, Loving Feeling, Terror, Her Private House, Satan's Slave, and more. Um, and he filmed the majority of the film on a handheld camera and said uh, it was all shot in the same house, despite the odd and varying sizes of the rooms used in the film. Yeah. Do we think this is Norman J. Warren's house? No. <laughs> it's, 
the house at Shepherd and Studios, apparently, that the art director came across or, or managed to acquire. Um, it, I think it's hang on, I've got notes literally to the left of me. It's Hayden Pierce was the art director who was, I believe, the art director on every other Warren horror film, at least. And I always thought that his work was some of the best stuff in Warren's movies. Like in Seminoid is an incredibly good looking film for the money. And I think they did quite a good job here as well because it looks really nice, the the house that they were using. It definitely does. Uh, so this is written by Max Cuff. It's, it's his only film. Okay. Um, And it's uh, also written by Quinn Donahoe. Now, Quinn Donahoe uh, is a woman. So this is Women in Horror. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, to see it. Quinn is, uh, was the writer of Latre Bassons. And the publicist for Fiddler on the Roof, The Pink Panther, Jesus Christ Superstar, Superman 2 and 3, The Rainbow Thief, and more. Oh, She's a great We'll give her that. Yeah. What a career. Uh, Norman J. Warren made the film based on the premise alone. And when the production was mounted, it had no completed script. So the writers would literally be finishing material on a day-to-day basis whilst filming. So it's a miracle it's as good as it is. <laughs> See that is it's funny you say that because I think it's one of those films that if you watch with no context you'll probably not enjoy it anywhere near as much. Whereas when you read the fact that it was shot in like ten days and hadn't yeah. it, there was no completed script, you look at it and you think, do you know what? It's a million times better than it has any right to be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, and plus, it was made on. Now I'll let you guys decide. I've got two things here that I found whilst doing my research. It was either made on a budget of three thousand pounds. Or fifty thousand pounds, it would be fifty. Do you it's think? got to, it's got to be fifty. That's I've fine. recently watched the um, Michael J. Murphy set, and there's films yeah. that were made close to that, and this looks a million times better. So it must edge more towards fifty. And I'd also I'd be fuming for the actors for getting paid so much. I know, yeah. You know, like everyone, <laughs> yes. they deserved a bit. You know, I know it was only ten days, but still. Uh, and I can't say how much it made because it I can't find out information anywhere. Thank um, God you could either. I was panicking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming not enough it, for the sequel to be made. No. There was the meant was, to be a yeah. sequel. And if it had made enough, I feel like we would have seen Prey 2. Yes, I think so. Prey Harden. Um, I don't well, usually read out... Did you see the release that it got? Um, yeah, it released as a double bill with a Western? Yeah, it, it was totally mistreated. I feel like if it was, like handled better it probably would have made a bit more but it just seems to be even out of warren's films which were never like massive successes it just seems to be like the one that got swept under the carpet yeah no absolutely i mean i the only film i'd heard of by norman j warren prior to the box set was uh in seminoid mm. but mm. I, I didn't realize you know he, he had a few other films and whatnot and uh, i didn't realize just how good some of his films would be like, I mean, Terror is probably my favourite of his films. Terror so is my favourite. I, I agree. It's a Suspiria ripoff, but it's a very good Suspiria ripoff. Like, there's a few things in there. It's like, okay, that's taken directly from it, but I loved it. It's so good. Um, and then even the ones that aren't so good, they're still fun to watch. Apart from... Oh, Her Private Hell. Her Private Hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. That was painful. I thought that was the most dull film. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I feel like I've seen the five horror films he made and I've seen a little bit of Spaced Out, which was the kind of carry-on in space that he had a crack at, 
which I think actually has a couple of the same actors from Prey in it, Barry Stokes and Gloria Allen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that. But I, I do kind of have a soft spot for Norman J. Warren because he, as far as I can remember, is the first director who I kind of had a proper affinity for. Like I, I picked the box set up in HMV because it looked interesting. And I like low-budget, kind of campy 70s Pete Walker-ish horror anyway. Um, and I, 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 he's the first person I made a, a video on on YouTube. And it, I, again, it's... I think he deserves more recognition, frankly, because yeah. he never he never made amazing films. But it's again for what he had, it's just there's a lot of love in there, and it makes for really really fun viewing a lot of the time. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you made me aware of the box. I I had seen the box set, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. I never really looked into it much. But you were, I had seen Inseminoid on sort of late night TV, and I thought it was so awful but yet so camp and yeah. over the top and I only watched it because I recognised Stephanie Beecham in it and I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing and then when the box set came out I was well I want to own Inseminoid to yeah. show Gary and then we watched the other films and we were like actually this is pretty decent you know and it, yeah. it's, it's cinema in the UK in the 70s it wasn't great was it as a whole. In comparison to America, no. No. Um, and Italy for that. But I think Norman J. Warren, I think he's a standout within yeah. that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, should we talk about who's in it? Oh, go on then. In the section we call, hey, I know you. Do we know anyone? Because I think I think we do. We do. I think, I think we know from a few. The, the cast isn't huge. No, anyway, this is, is the smallest hey, I know you have done. Um, Let's start with Barry Stokes. Uh, he plays Cator and Anders Anderson. Yes. Uh, star of Enemy Mine, The Prince and the Pauper, The Last Days of Pompeii, Romance on the Orient Express, Fanny Hill, Hawk the Slayer, and more. Uh, he'd previously played a very similar role of a male intruder in an exclusively female household in La Corruption de Chris Miller. In 1973, that's that's some interesting typecasting. I did not know he was in that. No, I mean, interesting. I, I I had a flick through, and all I came up yeah. with was kind of a lot of TV work, like Hammer House of Horror. He was in as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know he was he was he was in that one. He was in a film that I really want to watch. It's called Lady Oscar, and it's a Jacques Demi film based on an anime. And it's set in um, France, and uh, it stars in its lead Catriona McCall. Okay, who's a full cheese lady. Yeah. And I mean, look at her serving in that poster. That is, yeah, that, that does look amazing. Mm. Hang on, oh, it coming focus. It's coming into focus. Where? Oh, it's trying. Uh, it's trying it's its best. so hard. <laughs> No, it doesn't want to. No, I can't see. But she's serving. She's absolutely serving. I have no doubt that she is. Trust me. And I'm desperate to see that film. Yeah. It does yeah. look great. It does yeah. look great. What do we think to uh, Barry Stokes' performance as uh, the, the twink zombie from Outer Space? Yeah. I wouldn't have said twink. Did you say twink zombie? It's the closest thing I could, I could give him. I mean... But I wouldn't have said twink or zombie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's blame the French people for the zombie thing. <laughs> yeah. I, to be fair, I thought he played it off 
quite well. I feel like it's on paper, it's probably quite a hard role to to do because he has to act as though he's sort of learning everything for the first time. And a lot of his dialogue is just kind of repeating what's being said to him, like names and places and animals and stuff like that. And I think he kind of gives it a, a blank slate quality that works quite well. Oh, yeah, he, he was a lot of fun to watch um, yeah. in, in his ability to try try his best to uh, not be over the top whilst the other two actresses that he's sharing the screen with are so over the top at certain points. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, Glory Annan plays Jessica Ann. She was in Supergirl. Hear me out. Supergirl's actually not too different to this film. Lesbian couple living in a secluded place. <laughs> And someone from another planet just comes and interrupts them. I That's mean, Supergirl. She's been typecast, bless her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's Felicity. In... <laughs> she in Felicity, Out of Touch, uh, Water, The Lonely Lady, Bloomers, ITV Playhouse, Cruel Passion, and Zed Cars. Yeah, I think she was definitely typecast in the um, exploitation sense of things. From what I haven't seen Felicity, but it's from what I gather a rather raunchy. Yeah. Um Australian Is it Australian? exploitation film. Yeah. And then obviously the Lonely Ladies are I haven't seen it, but it's a favourite of mine in the uh Hey I Know You Because <laughs> it always comes up. It always comes <laughs> up. It's the Pia Zadora film where she her husband bought her a golden globe for best <laughs> Allegedly, don't sue me, Pia. <laughs> um, yeah, so Glory, Glory Annan, I think she's all right in this. Just fine. It, it's nice to know she was Canadian. Um, yeah, that was a that was a good accent. I thought. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's doing really well. <laughs> and then... it's a little bit jarring, isn't it? Because it's such a painfully British film, and then all of a sudden you've got this Canadian accent right in the middle of it. It's, yeah, it's quite weird to get used to. Uh, and of course, uh, last but certainly not least, we have Sally Faulkner playing the vegetarian, man-hating lesbian, Josephine. And Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. There is a lot to say about <laughs> this character. <laughs> uh, she was in Daughters of Darkness, I Am, Silent Witness, Doctor Who, Poles, Doctors, The Bill, Big Kids, Grange Hill, Coronation Street, Emmerdale, Casualty, Hollyoaks, everything. She's been in everything, and I'm I'm living for a career like that. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah, she was in the Deadly Females with Rula Lenska. Of course, well. we um loving that poster. I, ben, are you familiar with uh, Rula Lenska? I'm not. Fill me in. Um, so she was on Celebrity Big Brother with um that politician. George, George Galloway, Galloway. Yeah. Uh, where they were role-playing cats together. And uh, me and Chris saw her on the tram in Manchester. I never uh, thought David Cummer would be able to mention this on the podcast, but <laughs> here we are. i got to say, you dropped this name. <laughs> well, she was in... That's not her only claim to fame. She was uh, married to Dennis Waterman. She was in a King Kong film. She was in a King... Well, she was in Queen Kong. Queen Kong, Queen Kong. One of those awful uh, sex comedies that Britain just threw out there in the <laughs> 70s. Um, she was also in Rock Follies, 
Uh, is this the Hey I Know You for Real Landscape? Um, <laughs> what was she most famous? Oh, uh, Coronation Street. She played Audrey's best friend. Oh, so Sally Faulkner. Coronation Street. Oh, Sally Faulkner and Brulenska besties. Uh, no, because I think it was decades apart that they were in Coronation Street. Ben, I do apologise for bringing you on this podcast for us to just talk shit about Brulenska. <laughs> I'm here for it. I mean, I've got all night. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and not all of the cast were professional actors. Um, you'll you'll be surprised to know. Sandy wow. Chinney was the girlfriend of the second assistant director. Whilst the two little girls who appear in the final scene were played by producer Terry Marcel's daughters, one of which is future A-lister uh, screenwriter Kelly Marcel. Yes. Yeah. Writer of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. And Cruella and Venom. Uh, Venom 2. She, at least she's got a good at least she's got a job. At least she's got a job. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore when you find a link between something so mainstream and something yeah. so <laughs> yeah. unbelievably obscure. It's It really satisfies me. It's like yeah. one of the actors, coming back to Renee Harmon briefly, one of the actors from Frozen Scream ended up in Breaking Bad. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? It's, it's, it's when... just, I, it really, really tickles me. I don't know why. Yeah. It's when you go on the letterboxed and you see the cast and you're like, why is one of the kids got a photo on on her profile yeah grown up and you're like who is I, I mean i don't think she's a household name but i mean that's pretty you know mainstream it is right in the venom films even even so though did you say that she was the daughter of terry with terry marcel was it yeah movie? yeah even he at the time was like reasonably successful. Like he had his fingers in like ten relinking place and straw dogs and stuff, didn't he? Like he wasn't unknown. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And he don't yeah, assistant director. Oh, so he made Hawk the Slayer. Yeah, okay. yeah, he directed Hawk, Hawk the Slayer. Have you ever seen Hawk the Slayer? I haven't. Um, very British uh sort of fantasy adventure film. Uh, again with Catriona McCall, you know. Not great. No? No. I mean, you sold it to us, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm starting to wish we bin, covered that. Go, I know, yeah. Just go for it. If you're a big Catriona McCall fan, go for it. Watch it. <laughs> well, with all our Pride Month episodes, we're asking, uh, before we talk about each film, what makes this queer? Now, there's a very obvious answer with this one, but before um, I get the answers from both of you guys, um, I actually have some things here that I wanted to read out. I wouldn't usually do this, but I found some really interesting reviews that kind of changed my thought on the film a little. Right. So, um, I mean, not necessarily going towards it being queer, but still it's quite interesting. Um, so Jim Reed of the uh, Psychotronic Film Society of Savannah, Georgia, the prey finds unexpected vantage points for subtle commentary on the themes of sexism, love, adultery, betrayal, and racism, all within the context of a gay alien zombie vampire gore fest. Why does everyone think he's a fucking zombie? Anyway. Oh, it's not a gore fest either. Okay. No. <laughs> Did we see the cut version? Um, critic Steve Chibnall says uh, it's uh, a dark fable that whilst eccentric and sometimes unintentionally humorous, offers a serious discourse on the predatory nature of masculinity. And finally, Jeremy Harmon of the Online Film Critics Society said, uh, it's a blunt metaphor for the threat that male figures pose to lesbian relationships. 
Now, I could see bits of all of that whilst watching it this time. It, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. Do you think I, it was intentional? I don't think it was intentional. <laughs> no, I, I think that's where I, that's where I come in. Like, there's a lot yeah. of things you can read into it that aren't necessarily put there on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I can interpret Joe in a different way to what the filmmakers intended. I feel, and we'll obviously get into it, that Joe was meant to be the main villain of the film. And I genuinely mm. feel that because not only is she a lesbian, she's a gold star. I hate every single man on this planet <laughs> lesbian. And I don't think that was meant to paint her in a good light. I was living for it. I was standing. <laughs> but I don't think that was the intention of the filmmakers. No, I, I do think it kind of puts Jessica in a place where she's like, you know, damned if I do, damned if I don't, because she's got a fucking alien who's eating people one side, and then she's got Joe who's really controlling and uh, psychotic the other side. But bringing back to the question, what makes this queer? Of course, it's a film in 1977, and a queer couple's at the centre of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say it's funny that you you mentioned Joel being the villain, because like, obviously you can go into it with the idea that oh it's a film about an alien and the aliens obviously the bad guy. But I, as I mentioned before, I think we started recording. I watched it with a friend who hadn't seen it before, didn't really obviously wasn't taking it quite as not seriously, but you know taking notes and things in the same way that we are. And he even he picked out that like you know there's an alien here and. The alien isn't the scariest character in the yeah. film. Like it's bizarre how you can't quite decide who the worst person is in this film. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Again, it might be just be a case that the things aren't put there intentionally, but given because obviously this question is in the notes that we had to make, and I sort of went into it with that filter. And the moment where Anderson is is dressed up, I feel as though that was put there maybe for laughs. However, I think there's an interesting thing to be said about how he doesn't react to it. And it's because, like I mentioned earlier, he's kind of this blank slate character who has no expectations of what he should and shouldn't be doing. So to the to the lesbian couple, obviously, it's really funny. But to him, he doesn't get it. And I think it's it's a bizarre way of commenting on how your surroundings can kind of mould you. Yeah. I, I, again, I might be reading far too much into it, but I was sat there thinking, you know, you could probably look into this a lot further than I just have but oh, yeah. something that I hadn't, up, up until now I hadn't really appreciated before yeah no absolutely and it's even I mean I'm sure there's something to be said about how that's the only time in the film that he smiles as well yeah it, it it's, it's it's a strange one because when you see him as Kator he does kind of present as, as male yeah but like a cat as well uh, obviously, <laughs> we'll get into some sort of feline. <laughs> but how I felt is that, like Ben said, with the clean slate, he was almost sort of genderless mm. and yeah. sort of not really sexual in that no. sense because he, throughout the film, is either fighting or um, giving into his animalistic instincts. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't really necessarily pursue any of the women in a sexual way. And um, spoiler alert, ultimately 
eating one of them mm. because that's his nature. Yeah. That that's his animalistic instinct. Mm-hmm. So wearing a dress didn't actually change anything for him because he probably had no concept of gender. It just yeah. so happens that the first person he came across on earth was a man. Mm. And I found that quite interesting. Yeah. Because he doesn't, I didn't feel like he had any understanding of the gender politics that Joe was forcing on the people around her. Mm. And so he was was lively and aware of what was going on. Yeah. I I I feel as though if, if this got remade today, with today's kind of climate, it would it would lean very much into that. Like I say, at the t- at the time, it probably didn't. But it's interesting how even for nineteen seventy seven, it's got a lot of this kind of stuff going on under the surface. Yeah, it would absolutely be a twenty four if it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Ari Aster would do it. Yes, he? and I I would be there for that. I'm Tony Collette would play Joe. <laughs> I'd play, I'd, I'd... Oh my god! <laughs> I faded away. Timothy Chalamet would play uh, Anders Anderson. Oh lord! <laughs> Okay, let's uh, discuss our feature presentation. Are aliens already amongst us? Aren't you? Aren't you? Their immediate reaction aggressive. to take terminal action. Continue with mission. Why are they here? Success of total operation essential. For a million years, man was the hunter. Now. He is the prey. Prey. Certificate X. So at night, a uh, carnivorous, uh, shape-shifting alien, potentially zombie, named Kator, lands in the woods of rural England, and uh, we just see someone shining a bunch of lights through someone's window. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The budget was low. The budget was low, (laughs) girls. Somewhere between three grand and fifty grand, anyway. Somewhere, yeah. in a, somewhere, yeah. not enough for a spaceship. <laughs> no. Uh, Jessica Ann is woken up by the lights, and she goes to tell her uh, Sally Webster-looking girlfriend Josephine uh, all about it and how she was having dreams about Simon, her boyfriend who has mysteriously disappeared. That hair, like, can we please talk about Joe's hair <laughs> to start with? Thank God you spoke about the elephant in the room this early on because I was dying <laughs> for it. <laughs> I like to get these things out of the way first so we can get to the real meat of the film. Um, was it a helmet? Was it a wig? <laughs> was it her hair? You know, had she just finished playing Sally Bowles on the stage? <laughs> Who knows? It was a choice. We all make choices and that's the one she stuck with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any notes? Um, it, it, it was just giving me Sally Webster from Coronation Street. It was, yeah, that's, it was. That's what I was getting. But like bigger, it made her head look very small in comparison. <laughs> there was a lot of hair going on. Very distracting. Have you ever seen that video of, oh, was it one of the scary movie films or something where the, the sheriff's hat keeps getting bigger progressively yes. through the scene? Oh, yes. I feel like we could do something with that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, her her wig or whatever it was was definitely getting bigger throughout the film. <laughs> yeah. By the time we reached that final scene, it was just flying everywhere when she was running around. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was here for it. Oh, I loved it. It's not for everyone, and it wasn't for her, but I still liked it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel like um, it is a classic lesbian in the 70s look. It, it it did feel maybe a little stereotypical as well. I don't I don't know if that was the actress's real hair. I, I don't know. I mean, know. it suited her. Yeah, I mean, kind no. Despite I making her face look no. tiny. I you was know? I wasn't a fan. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying. Do you know? What? I'm, tr- I'm I could swear I've seen the episode of Doctor Who with her in, and I'm trying to think if she had the same haircut. I, I can't remember offhand. So that's like a really pointless thing to talk about. But I I, I never got the impression it was a wig. No. No, I, maybe not. I mean, I can confirm in Doctor Who she did not have that hair. No, um, oh, she's got a cute little bob. She has got a cute little bob. Oh, <laughs> oh, she's she's giving bob. Oh, oh, oh jump scare! So to, uh, to to Ben and to the listeners as well, I was scrolling down Google Images of her with this cute bob, and there's just a picture of her as Joe, just looking so angry <laughs> and maybe jump a little. <laughs> she, it was a powerful performance. <laughs> It ages her terribly, doesn't it? It sticks with you. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, I need to get that picture out of my eyeliner or else I'm not going to be able to carry on. Um, the, <laughs> the vanguard of an, of an invasion force, um, Cato's mission is to evaluate the suitability of humans as a source of food for his species. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Mission you're invested in? Yeah, I'm very... I forgot about the mission until the last line. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the mission was until I just read it. I'm sure a lot of films have done this, haven't they? About the Earth and how suitable humans are as sort of nice. livestock. Mm. We watched a film recently where humans were referred to as livestock. Did we? Yeah. But was we, it extra? We, it wasn't extra, no. It'll come to me. And if it doesn't, I'm not sure if anyone cares anyway. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I get the impression, though, seriously, that they put that in early to be like, oh, he's an extraterrestrial. And then at the end, they got to that final scene and they thought, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, why, yeah. why are we making this? And they were, oh, shit, yeah. And then they quickly <laughs> scribbled some, something down on the back of a post-it note. And we're like, yeah, read that. <laughs> Yeah, I actually kind of feel like the film maybe didn't need to be a horror film. No. For the most part, he could have just been the injured... Oh, what is the The film? Beguiled. The Beguiled. Yeah. It could have just been like The Beguiled. Yeah. Where, you know, a man comes into a very female environment mm. and fucks things up for everyone. Yeah. But then you wouldn't have got you. You wouldn't have been able to have seen his uh, cute lion makeup. They live. They live. They oh, live. Yeah. You know, I just watched They Live for the first time like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's had it's like cool some sort of uh, resurgence recently. Everyone's talking about They Live. Yeah. Great film. Great film. Yeah, we watched. It, it was released at the cinema, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so stumbling across Anderson and Sandy, a couple having a lover's tiff in their parked car after making out, uh, he kills both and assumes the appearance of Anderson. But after, 
um, some great dialogue where um, uh, Sandy's like, where are you going? And uh, Anderson's like, for a pee, do you mind? And then when he goes for a piss, he's uh, he, he notices someone in the bushes. He's like, who's there? Dirty bastard. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we have a tendency on the podcast, I'm sure everyone knows, that if, because we talk about a lot of American films, whenever there's a very British film, we tend to give everyone a Cockney accent. Everyone's a Cockney in this Everyone's film. Cockney. <laughs> They're not. I'm pretty sure these people are not Cockneys, but you have just given them a Cockney accent. Oh, he definitely was. <laughs> Maybe. Dirty bastard. But yes, they're disposed of. They are. They are. I would. I would say, as scenes where men go for a piss, it's my second favorite of any film I've ever seen. The first being Night of the Demon. If you of course, it's Night of the Demon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was very much hoping for a Night of the Demon kind of scene, but I'm assuming that a yeah. prosthetic cock might have cost more than what the budget would have allowed. I think but... so. I think so. Um, oh, there's also Sleepaway Camp Four. Terrible film. Um, on the return to Sleepaway Camp, sorry, terrible film, but great pissing scene. Someone's cop gets pulled off. Is it? Yeah. Ooh, tried to forget about that film. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just gonna add that to my watch list. <laughs> <laughs> I did a 13th remake, someone gets his ear cut off whilst he's having a piss. Does he? Yeah. So with that being said, this is now an appreciation for pissing in the woods scenes in films episode. I've watched so many films that I'm forgetting cocks being ripped off scenes. But you, you obviously remember you Night of Demon. You think that would be more memorable? But Night of Demon's the best one. I do remember Night of Demon. Yeah. There's a scene in um, Strange... Was it Strange Behaviour? It's a New Zealand film. I think it was also called Dead Kids, where a guy pisses blood, and it's one of the most viscerally disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. It's horrible. I've not seen it yet. I think we own that, but I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, okay. No, it's... You're, are you talking about the Katie Holmes film? No. That's disturbing behaviour. That's disturbing behaviour. Yeah. Okay. We've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> no one pisses blood in disturbing behaviour. Probably would have made it a little more exciting if it did. Um, the next morning, Jessica and Joe are having breakfast in their manor house when uh, the guy in the radio starts talking about UFOs and aliens. And Joe says, you know, of all men, I think I hate David Watson the most. <laughs> Yeah, she's not a fan of the radio. She's not. She's not. What we find out for the rest of the film is that she just hates all men. She does. Kind of, not even equal. Well, yeah, equally, actually. Really. I know she says she hates the DJ the most, but I think every (laughs) man or male gendered animal that comes anywhere near her gets the same treatment. What do we think of their house and the... Oh, yeah, it, it, I suppose it is inherited, but way too big for the two of them. Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful home. Um, great setting for the yeah. film. Great setting. Um, but, yeah, maybe a little too big for the both of them. Which is probably why they're so screwed up. They're yeah. bored. <laughs> There's fuck all to fucking do around there. They don't do anything. Uh, apart from what are the numerous plants in that massive greenhouse? <laughs> And look after three chickens. Yeah. And a budgie. I don't, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's not forget Wally. Um, Wally. I thought it was interesting. And it, it throughout the film, it, it kind of confused me a little. 
But I thought it was interesting that they slept in separate rooms. Yeah. Which I thought was maybe a censorship choice. Until you saw the sex scene. Until I saw the sex scene. <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, why are they sleeping in separate... Because I, I did think, particularly watching the first time, it's 1977, it's not going to give us full lesbian relationship. Mm. Um, so when they were in separate rooms, I was like, oh, God, it's like a sitcom from the 50s, you know? <laughs> I, I'm not sure of the choice. They explain it as that Jessica has been having nightmares, and that's why she sleeps in a separate room. Um, but I, I didn't really see the point. I didn't know what they were getting at with it, if it's not a censorship. I, I, going into it on a rewatch, obviously... The first time round, you don't know they're lesbians until you realise they're lesbians. But going into it, knowing it's a lesbian couple and having been quite a while since I'd seen it, I picked up on the separate rooms thing immediately because she runs in after the lights. Is it after yeah. the lights flash at the start? Yeah. And I, again, I picked I don't quite know what that was getting at or what reason that was there for. But it's yeah, I noticed it as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a strange choice. It's a strange choice. Um, I'm glad they went all in with the relationship. And didn't hide things after that, but then that just makes it even more questionable. Like when the film started, I was like, "Oh, are these other characters I forgot about. I forgot. I didn't think it was the same couple." Yeah, this might be really because of the rewrites as it was being filmed. Yeah. Maybe they were a little reluctant, and then therefore, actually, this is very slow. <laughs> Um, and we've got a very small budget. We need to keep people's interest. Let's yeah. throw in a sex scene. <laughs> Potentially. Um, Jessica owns the property. She's inherited it from her Canadian parents. Uh, the dominant of the pair is Joe, who is unusually possessive of Jessica and deeply suspicious of men. The women are vegetarians and they live in seclusion with only a few chickens and a pet parrot, Wally, for company. Wally, the parrot... Um, actually went missing on set. Oh. He's never seen yeah. it. Oh, no! Yeah? Oh, poor always bring the mood down, but Wally's out there somewhere. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently he was an absolute nightmare to work with, because <laughs> I, I don't, I can't remember where I heard this, but I'm sure there's an interview either with him, Pierce, or Norman J. Warren, where he was talking about the parrot, and he was told, you know, just, if you need it to be quiet, just put the thing over it, and it'll stop making noise and he was like it just didn't <laughs> and i think that's the same place where i heard that it went missing but yeah he just wouldn't shut up apparently i feel like i feel like wally now went missing under suspicious circumstances <laughs> yeah it's really annoying and he disappeared <laughs> yeah probably with chanel the african grey <laughs> e, she's in trouble isn't she she is yeah, yeah. no chanel <laughs> Chanel is in trouble. She doesn't know where to live. Once her yeah, she got uh, mixed up with the lockdown by the canal. <laughs> once her owner's locked up. Wrong crowd. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chanel. Wally. Um, well, Joe wasn't a fan of the bird either. Uh, Joe's not a fan of anyone. No, mangy bird. Mangy bird. Mangy bird. <laughs> um, it's it's weird throughout the film. That Joe is a vegetarian but hates animals. Yeah. All animals apart from chickens. Mm. <laughs> Loves chickens, but every other animal. She, yeah. Hates foxes. 
I was gonna say the Fox vendetta, fans. the vendetta she has against the fox, but doesn't even like the parrot. No, no, not really, no. <laughs> well, they go to investigate where the lights came from, and they find a dead rabbit who was torn to pieces, which Joe blames on the fox. The start of her uh, <laughs> vendetta against, against foxes. foxes. They, uh, they stop for what I thought at the time was a sweet romantic moment where they talk about, you know, how the you know the world is jealous of them because they're lesbians and so on. Yeah. It quickly turns into an argument. Yeah, as most of their conversations do. Um, just so kids... Well, this, is the, this is the scene in the gazebo, isn't it? Yeah. Right? yeah. Now, it... interestingly, I thought... Because this is a film with a sex scene in it, but I thought that was as close as they got to being kind of an intimate couple. Because even the yeah. sex scene turns into not to again get ahead of ourselves, but even the sex scene turns into Joe becoming like quite aggressive and yeah. that, whereas that was like a brief couple of minutes where they seem to be having a level conversation with each other before it obviously then developed into a, an argument. Yeah, and Joe gives Jessica a kiss on the head mm. on, on the forehead. Which again, I thought was similar to the separate room situation. I thought, oh, okay, this is all we're gonna get. I, I, you know, I see where this is going. Um, but yeah, no, um, and we'll get to it. But <laughs> they, they go full on, don't they? They, they do. Around. So I, I, again, another choice that I wasn't quite. I just thought it was for a sweet romantic moment. Yeah, the only one we get in the film. Yeah, I and suppose honestly, so. for nineteen seventy-seven, that's fucking groundbreaking compared to the other representation we've got. Yeah, now that that is true. Yeah, for Pride Month. For Pride yeah, Month, you, there you we have go. To, you have to. That's, that's <laughs> you have to take whatever you can. Get. That's justified the entire episode. That one scene. <laughs> it's a horror film in the seventies. Okay, we get a feature-length feature-length film with a. a two-minute portion where a gay couple are presented as normal and the rest of it's <laughs> fucking chaos. <laughs> the rest is just pure lesbian drama and it, yeah. And it yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Jessica wants to go away for a bit. Joe's having none of it. And they stumble across uh, Alien Anderson in the woods and take him back to, uh, to their home for a drink because he's pretending to have an injured leg. Now, Jessica Very takes a lot gets forgotten about. Oh yeah, the leg is he doesn't is even, he doesn't even limp <laughs> or anything, and no one questions the fact that he doesn't limp throughout the rest of the film. No. Yeah, Joe has got a lot of issues with him, but none of her issues are the fact that he pretended to have a bad leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they have a conversation, him and Jessica are bonding a little, and uh, she explains Joe is from the Midlands. Oh, so are we. Yeah. <laughs> nice to have some Midlands representation in the form of uh, a Joe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> he says, uh, are many people from the Midlands? And she's like, yes, but not as many as London. <laughs> Which I don't think's accurate, because the Midlands is a lot bigger than London. Because, I mean, obviously London's London. But the Midlands is like two counties. Yeah, but everyone's trying to like move loads out. of counties. Everyone's trying to move out of the Midlands, though, like us. So yeah. it <laughs> brings the population down a bit. His arrival, it, it causes friction between Jessica and Joe. Not that, you know, they needed any more. They didn't need any anymore. help. <laughs> um, yeah, she bonds with him some more. And this is when we get my favourite scenes in the film, where she's like, uh, what's your first name? He's like, Anders. And she's like, 
Anders Anderson must be Swedish. <laughs> I love that he is called Anders Anderson, and I will not refer to him as anything else. Anders what Anderson. a name! What a name! Timothy Chalamet actually looks like an Anders Anderson. <laughs> Do not think. I think it would suit him. Are you going to contact him yeah. and pitch this remake? I should. You know how you're obsessed with Jessica Lange starring in the fan remake. Yes. I'm. I'm obsessed with Timothy Chalamet <laughs> starring in Prey. And then he will be a twink. Yeah, that's true. That true. Yeah, but then we need to make him a zombie. That's true. That's true. Uh, and according to the other reviewer, um, an, a, a vampire as well, apparently. Um, oh, oh we yeah. Talk about his makeup, actually. So when he kills the couple earlier on, um, we see his true being. Um, his kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, what the, the, portions the, makeup? Him, the portions where you see him in makeup are really weirdly edited. Do you not think it's like super yeah. quick? Mm. Yeah. Up, up until the end. I think the end, like where you see him at the end in kind of full tilt mode, actually looks quite good. But the brief sort of flashes outside where he's attacking policemen and foxes. And yeah. It's just like you get like half a second of some really bad prosthetic teeth and a nose that looks like it's been taken off of a lion's face. Yeah. During those scenes, it kind of looks like uh, a child's face paint at a birthday party. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, oh, oh, I want to be a tiger. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Shove these contact lenses in as well. I'm not doing Yeah. It's obviously a budget constraint, but I think they're trying to cover the fact that it's very clearly the actor in a little bit of makeup. Yeah. When yeah. the whole intention is that he's not meant to look like Anderson, because yeah. Anderson is someone he's pretending to be. <laughs> But it's very clearly just him it's with the same a fake nose <laughs> and teeth. And maybe that maybe that is what the alien looks like, and he just happened upon someone who looked almost identical without yeah. the nose and teeth. <laughs> what extraordinary! <laughs> Might explain why he speaks to the mothership perfectly in English, <laughs> and the mothership also speaks yeah. in English. <laughs> like, come on, just make up a language. Gives a little bit of subtitles. Can't cost that much. Well, Joe openly, and this might shock you, Joe openly resents Anders Anderson's presence and Jessica suggests that he might be an escapee from a psychiatric hospital. Later, David Watsit reports on the radio about Anderson and Sandy's abandoned car being found and Anders Anderson gets his face paint on and he goes back to the scene of the crime where he kills and uh, partly devours the two policemen who are examining the car. Yeah, I thought interestingly... You know, Joe is not a fan of Anders Anderson, mm-hmm. but she's the one that invites him for dinner. Yes. It's her way of kind of punishing Jessica for being so nice to him. Yeah. Because Jessica does think that he's a bit of a weirdo. So Joe, being quite a spiteful character, says, well, you know, you're the one who's been so nice to him. Mm-hmm then you get what, you know, you've asked for. He's going to stay for dinner. And you can creep to, you know, I hated him from the start. Um, she says that I've barely spoken to the creature, which, I mean, is rude, but also actually quite accurate. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Head on. Here's some sort of creature. But well, you, you mentioned earlier about how it didn't need to be a horror film, and I, I agree with you. And, I mean, I adore horror films and science fiction, but it's it's bizarre how the scene where he kills the policeman feels tacked on to kind of appeal yeah. to that audience because 
it doesn't affect anything. Like it's just going back to a scene we've already been at before with characters we've never met and never will see again. It's it's a highlight. It's a fun little scene, but it didn't need to be there. It's true, yeah. It definitely it feels at a place um, in comparison to everything else. Because um, I feel like by the time you get to the big horror set piece at the end, when a certain character yeah. is killed, that still feels jarring. Even though that's in there, that's still like, oh shit, this is the big payoff. This is the big horror moment. Because like, at that point, you're not thinking, oh, do you remember that horror scene earlier on where um, he murdered some police officers and cut away everybody? Yeah, and and I think for the film as a whole, I think an issue I had with the film as a whole is those sort of moments. And I think they're there to remind us that Jessica and Joe are in danger. But the rest of the film doesn't do that. No. Because why is he... Why does he have this connection with Joe and Jessica and not with the police officers or with the people at the start. Yeah. I just didn't understand why he allowed them to live for so long, but everyone else was killed straight away. He's an ally. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a turn. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's because they kind of accommodated him. Or he was the, the well, I was going to say the first people he came across. That's not true, is it? But, um, I don't know, that's the only reason I can think, is that they've offered yeah. him a kind of where he can then perform whatever he needs to do in this mission that no one gives a shit about. Yeah. Because he, he seems to have this understanding of why the police are there. Yeah. Which I don't think he should have had that understanding of why they were there. And He's that's... been threatened by them as soon as they turned around, like he recognised what a policeman was supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just becomes a little muddled sort of that part of the film. Mm -hmm. So like what what are you going with here? And 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 again, like we've said, it it didn't necessarily have to be a horror film because these scenes do feel out of place to a certain extent. They're fun, you know, fun as hell, but this is yeah. Yeah, a bit like, well, why? Why has he done this? Yeah. Well, they all sit down to have dinner together and uh joe says to him i think you should know that jessica and i are lovers ours is a pure love not the foul animal function of breeding <laughs> preach see she probably spills the tea <laughs> but he uh anders doesn't actually i don't think he actually understands what she means by them being lovers mm. In terms of why she would feel the need to tell him as if it's something unusual. Because his reaction is, oh, okay, right. Mm. And, and what? You know, you love us. Okay, I get it. Because I don't think his understanding of, again, the gender politics is the same as Joe and Jessica's understanding of gender politics and yeah. what it was like and is like to be a gay person on earth i that's like I, I, I got right no i was gonna say i feel like that could have been for her as well like because obviously um this simon's been mentioned before so she clearly feels threatened by male presences so that yeah. by her talking about how they're both lovers it could be a kind of possessive hold on the back of the character name i've forgotten jessica um like on jessica to kind of be like this is mine and it's like stay away i think it could be just as much that yeah yeah that's true yeah um he 
starts eating a lettuce leaf and throws up. Me. <laughs> animal. Yeah, Jessica helps him and Joe's like, animal! <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm with Joe all along on this. Like, he's just turned up for dinner. He's like thrown up at the table. Throwing up the lettuce. <laughs> um... To be fair, that was all that was on offer. Like the the yeah. salad wasn't a, a side to anything. I think I would be very much the same. <laughs> just a bowl true. of lettuce. I've only just come round to having rocket in me burgers. I'm not just going <laughs> to stick every bowl of salad like free. Can I just go back ever so slightly? You can, mm. or quite slightly. Um, before the whole police scene, do you did you notice the scene where Jessica is by the lake? And she literally, it's very brief, she just opens her blouse mm. and sunbathes. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that about? That was about a lot of horror fans in the 70s were straight men hoping to get a kick out of a film. Yeah. And Norman J. Warren's like, here you go. Because I, <laughs> I put in my notes, I said, oh, very cheap TNA. I would have preferred they had the balls to just have a lesbian sex scene. Obviously mm. forgetting that. <laughs> How did you scene. forget that's in the film? It's it's a very memorable scene. We watch a lot of films, okay? <laughs> I've seen a lot of lesbian sex scenes. I get them mixed up. Um, my issue was, why did she just open her blouse to sunbathe? She can get terrible tan lines. <laughs> why did she just take the top off? You know? Spoken like a true game. Oh, really? <laughs> it annoyed me. I was like, oh, she can't, you know. Get the girls out. <laughs> Take your top off fully if you're going to sunbathe. And you're just going to have like a, you know, uneven tan line. You know, if you're just having a tough time with Joe, enough as it is, oh, you comment on your sunbathing habits. And I think. Speaking just... of. So, apologies again. Sorry. Um, speaking of bizarre scenes, have you seen the trailer for this film? No. But there's footage because in there that isn't in the film, isn't there? That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a scene where someone is walking and there's a human hand on the floor, or like a skeletal hand that doesn't appear in the final film. And that's another thing where I was like, how would that have worked? Like, who is that? Because yeah. yeah. no other than the policeman, no one dies, do they? Oh, um, Simon. Oh, oh yes. Simon. Could have been Simon's hand. Mm. Because we don't know how long he's been dead for. That's you know, very true. Joe does try to bury Jessica on the estate later. Yeah. It could have been something she's done before. She tries to bury her yeah. in a, a very um, professional grave. She, she, that she does. That she does. <laughs> he must have been digging for about three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to get out. Trench, trench on the go. She's definitely done it before. So yeah. It's Simon. Well, well, speaking of, Jessica goes to look for some clothes for Anders Anderson and finds a knife and bloodstained clothes in the spare bedroom. Recognising the latter as Simon's, then she realises that Simon was murdered by Joe. Now, judging from Simon's outfit that he left behind, do we think Simon was a smash or a pass? Pass. Yeah. yeah. Was there a flat cap? It was a flat cap. Smash. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Jessica's view on it as well, because she's very much like, she's trying to catch Joe out, and she's like, oh, uh, 
Oh, I love that flat cap he used to wear. Like, oh, I want, wanted a bit of him in that. She's like, uh, he was yeah. very attractive for it's, a man. It's giving chicken sweet vibes. <laughs> but she says he was very attractive. She gets some side eye. Yeah. And then for a man. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a little confused. Who the fuck was Cyber? <laughs> Simon in this? Why are you bringing Simon into this? Who the fuck was he? I did think that, and I had a look, and Wikipedia says that he was Jessica's boyfriend. Mm. But he was there when she was in a relationship with Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we get the idea that Jessica is bisexual. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that annoys Joe as well. Mm. Um, why... Who knows? She just hates everyone and everything. Get, no, <laughs> okay, let's, let's Every, everyone outside of their little microcosm, I think, is yeah. just yeah. Better, as far as she's concerned. I think I think maybe this is the time seeing as I've brought it up. Do you think that Joe is a good representation of <laughs> lesbians? I mean, I'm gonna put my hat in the ring, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, spoiler alert, I may have given her a award at the end, but that's just me. Okay. But us within the community yes. who um stand who stand a powerful who stands a powerful woman who is not afraid to say what she thinks and you know she's just had it with men. I I mean I think great representation. Yeah. But and this is just a film. Yeah. You know, this is just, it's a hypothetical, this is just a film. <laughs> We're not saying that we would condone her <laughs> actions in real life. I feel like if you've got she's someone who's very known... strong, She's a very strong female presence and a very yeah. strong female character who happens to be a lesbian but also happens to be an awful person. But the fact that she's an awful person has nothing to do with the fact that she's a lesbian. True. That's True. just coincidental. Do you think that was the intention? Because obviously Jessica is the good girl. She, she's the one that we should be getting behind. She's got final girl energy. Um, but she's bisexual. Yeah. You know, she's she's shown to love everybody. Mm-hmm. Whereas Joe is shown as being full of hatred, particularly towards men. Um, do you think the intention of the filmmaker was to and I don't want to say homophobic because it's not but I don't know it feels like a bit of a slight towards I don't feminists I lesbians well I mean let's not forget this was co-written by a woman yes so a I lesbian don't know woman who knows I was gonna yeah. say do we know if Quinn was it Quinn Don- Donahue? Donahue yeah yeah do we know if he was gay because that would probably give us more it to go on help. yeah um I but mean, I like... feel like Joe is at times a stereotype yeah man hating lesbian <laughs> man hating lesbian yeah I mean yeah potentially there's absolutely no information online about um, she's not on the apps. No, she's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Quinn, Quinn Donahoe is like 50 meters away. She's like next door. She she's like, oh, can you stop fucking talking about me? <laughs> Keep my name <laughs> out your mouth. <laughs> now, she calls you a slur. We definitely know the answer. 
<laughs> I, I just think with, with with a woman being in charge of these characters, I feel like maybe she wasn't meant to be as big a villain as we think. Well, sometimes the calls do come from inside the house. Yeah. And I would hate for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's pretend that the filmmakers <laughs> wanted everyone to stand Joe. Yeah. Happy Pride Month. That helped me sleep tonight. <laughs> it would be interesting to read the original source material to see what yes. changed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jessica goes for another snoop in the bedroom and Joe walks, walks in on her and she's like... <laughs> Have you got what you came for? You've been acting stupid all day, Jessica. I think that man's contaminating this house. <laughs> Poor Jessica. Yeah, she's not wrong, really. <laughs> he is up to no good. It's true, it's true. She's absolutely right. Thankfully, this is when we get the sex scene. It is, it is. Hey. I mean, do you know what? For a, a big part of it, it's actually quite passionate and... Uh, yeah. Romantic. I thought it was intimate. Yeah, actually, I said for two for two. Presumably, I mean, I don't know, but presumably, straight actresses. I thought it was quite Mm. convincing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. And I don't understand Jessica's reasoning. Like she's just she's so upset over Joe being a murderer. Yeah, but still gets intimate with her and you know spoiler alert for a lot of the film she keeps the secret as well she's like after this and kind of acts normal (laughs) zip it you're in (laughs) yeah i mean you know gotta take it where you can get it even if it's with murder love's a bad girl we all like a bad girl yeah exactly exactly the film was rated x yes do you think it's because of this scene absolutely specifically I think the the X is because of this scene, but the fact it ended up on the section three list is because of the final scene, because that mix of sex yeah. and violence, the exact sort of thing that the BBC yes. would not have had. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, true. that's true. Um, It goes on for a while, and uh, Anders Anderson uh, eventually pops his head into the room to see what all the noise is about. Like, oh, okay. And then just leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I, again, I, I don't think he understands what's going on necessarily. I don't, I don't know, whatever no. his home planet is, I don't know what sex is like there. I mean, he does give it a, a go later on, um, but he doesn't actually react at all. He just sort of like, oh, okay, see ya. It's, again, that kind of blank slate, asexuality, gender fluidity, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Where he's, he's just kind of absorbing his surroundings a little bit. Well, I... I'll say something, it's some of the best orgasm acting I've seen. I mean, Jessica, she fucking go, she's really going for it. I mean, (laughs) 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 that is staying in the shit. The murderer made me feel like that. I'd keep the fucking secret as well. (laughs) (laughs) Would not have her going back inside. Um, Anders Anderson has a has a quick gossip with his uh, command ship, and t- and they they're like, yes. right, girls. That's, that's <laughs> <just> <laughs> a little update for ya. It is pretty much just them saying continue the mission. That's it. Perfect yeah. English. In perfect English. 
Uh, the next morning, Joe is furious. Well, he does say that the humans were openly hostile from the get-go. Yeah. Which is also kind of true. I mean, he was kind of like, oi, why are you watching me, you dirty bastard? So are they... Are, are the filmmakers trying to teach us a lesson about yes. being hostile towards... <laughs> aliens. Aliens, or, or you know, um, foreign people. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that... That uh, review I read out earlier to say there's a theme here for racism, and I think that's a valid point. Yeah, that's that's well, yeah. But then we'd have to, but then we'd have to. But then he is racist. going around eating people. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it doesn't make any sense. But it's kind of like, well, I mean, he is going around murdering people for no reason. So maybe there is a reason to be hostile towards him. I mean, I've got to be honest, up, up until speaking to you two about this, I didn't quite realise how shaky the moral ground of this film is. Like, on <laughs> every level, it's like, I, I don't know what to think. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll ruin every film for you. Oh, <laughs> if there's something we love on this podcast, it's overanalyzing a cheap yeah. movie to within an inch of its life until it's ruined for everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, film shouldn't be fun. It's academic. <laughs> Welcome to horror court trash ever. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end, we're like, no, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we were going on about. We're wearing Tara throat out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when we, when we did um, Halloween Ends? And like at the start of the episode, we were like, oh, do you know what? Don't get what all the hate's about. We really enjoyed this film. It's great. And then like throughout the whole thing, we're like, Fucking piece of shit film. Like, how the why the fuck would you do that for? What a stupid fucking idea. Well, what a lot of shit. Oh, like the whole thing. It's we like, literally talked the, ourselves into hating that. And then film. at the end of it, we were like, yeah, we really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I've just given you a hundred reasons why this is a shit film. I had a fun time. Great, great time. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Uh, the next morning, Joe is fuming to discover all the chickens have been slaughtered, and she she goes out and she's like, "Oh, you bloody pig! How could you have done this?" And then Jessica's like, "That's Joe. What <laughs> <laughs> house would it be?" It's the only other person who's been in this fucking film. For the only person that shouts about the smallest inconvenience. Like, who else? Oh, that's not a small inconvenience. No, before the chickens. Before the chickens. They never make one omelette in this whole fucking film. <laughs> Why is she so bothered? Doesn't she walk in at one point and go, three eggs? How great is that? Right. <laughs> the most happy she's been in the whole film. Three eggs. Woo, woo, yeah. Cupcakes are unreal. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she blames the fox because that's who she is as a person. Um, and she lays traps for the animal and goes after it with a rifle, assisted by Jessica and Anders Anderson. Uh, but the hunt fails, and Anders Anderson tracks and kills the fox on his own and presents it to the both of them as a trophy. Yeah, I thought. Now you're probably gonna tell me I'm stupid. Stupid. Yeah. But I thought Jessica was giving me a goth energy as she was yes. swinging that stick around. Oh my shouting. god, she was. <laughs> <laughs> Mia Goth would definitely play Jessica yes. in the remake. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, just, what was she doing? She's like, ah, ah, that was <laughs> it. Huh? <laughs> swinging the stick around, trying to get the fox out. 
was like, oh, this feel like Mia. There, there has to be a specific scene in a Mia Goth film where she gives that similar energy. I think we've just saved the casting director a job. Yeah, for the Prey yeah. remake. The fox is definitely called James. James, <laughs> James where are you, James? I think, and again, overanalyzing. Does does the fox represent something? Because there is so much weight given to the death of this fox. Yeah. Like Joe is ecstatic when he throws that fox on that chess table. <laughs> it's it's true. I, I can't, but I can't grasp what it's supposed to mean. Ooh. Is it a, is it just a fox or is it something else? Joe does gender the fox yeah. before ever having met uh-huh. the fox. That I'll get him. He can't believe he did this. Assuming that, you know, a female fox wouldn't have killed the chickens, you know, that any yeah. fox has to eat. So maybe it is just representation of men. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Because, I mean, as far as we know, we don't know if the fox actually killed the chickens. It's true. I mean, is it Anders Anderson could have killed the chickens? Really? I mean, I fully believe he did. If, you know, he's obviously yeah. a bona fide carnivore, you know, lettuce isn't cutting it. <laughs> so maybe he went for chicken. Because if, does we he... think the fox was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah. and he went and went and killed a fox. Yeah. Makes them happy. A bit like how a cat would bring you a mouse it's caught mm. to as a gift. Yeah. To say thank yeah. you for feeding me. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a coincidence that he does look like a cat, like a space cat, when he's in his uh, yeah. normal form. So maybe that's what they're getting at. His sort of animal side and then the fox for joe is men yeah they do yeah. they do kind of treat him like a pet don't they in a weird kind of way yeah. especially the party yeah. scene where they basically just he's there for their amusement yeah i don't yeah. know That's interesting. yeah they, they do celebrate with champagne party um and joe dresses anders anderson up in drag uh to which she says isn't she lovely and Jessica's there, she's got a better figure than you, too. Um, and now they all like the human league. Which is like a rude... They do look like the human league. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a like, rude kind of read. I know, it? yeah. Got a better figure than you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that's a bit harsh. Yeah, um, they seductively dance in front of him, which he thinks is hilarious. He just keeps laughing. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he and Joe attempt to dance and almost kiss whilst Jessica goes to get the fox cake. Just mentioning the Human League, do you think Red Blusher was on sale in 1977? <laughs> Definitely was. Because all, yeah. all three of them, Joe is, she, Joe is wearing a dress mm-hmm. at this point, whereas for the rest of the film, before and after, she wears trousers. Yeah. Um, but she's wearing a dress. It's she definitely looks like um Liza Minnelli in Cabaret. There's a very specific scene that they may be referencing, or, or that dress was very popular because of the film, but with a bowl haircut mm-hmm. as well. 
definitely giving Liza Minnelli. Um, what do you think the significance in this scene of when they're dancing? Because when Joe dances with Anders, just the two of them, to the song, what's the song? Arms of a Stranger. Oh yeah, in, in the, the arms, arms of, of a stranger. Accepting the arms of a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe almost leans in for a kiss. Yeah. What do you think that's all about? Because I ain't got a fucking clue. I mean, I can't place it. Yeah, using his alien powers to seduce her. <laughs> because I don't... Th so this is the only moment that in the whole film where she even contemplates being nice to a male. Yeah. Um, and it happens to be when she's wearing a dress and makeup, but also the man is wearing a dress yeah. and makeup. Do you think that means something? Or do you think the filmmakers just threw it in? I think they just threw it in, to be honest. <laughs> so the three gay guys, almost 50 years later, can move around <laughs> yeah. on a podcast. That'll get I mean, It could have something to do with sexual confusion on her part. Yeah. Yeah. Be and, and she's very reluctant. Like, it only happens when Jessica leaves the room. Yeah. It comes... But Ross, maybe to me, and maybe I'm a little pessimistic with it, but it came across to me as that, ah, see, even the most man-hating lesbians will try and kiss a guy when he's in a dress. That's a kind of, I don't know. I don't think that's what they're getting I at. hope not. No, I feel like it's... I, I, don't, I don't think. There's, there's a lot of, again, moral shaky ground, but I don't think there's a main born in this film's body, really. Mm. I think no. It, it, it... No. It does a lot, right? It's it's like... I don't know, what's a good comparison? Do you know when something from the 70s tries to be progressive, but like just the language it uses is very dated? Yeah. Yes. Do, do we feel maybe like it was, it was, you know, yeah, it might have played some stuff for laughs, it might have had some stuff in there intentionally, and just because we're looking at it with like through today's filter Absolutely. that we're seeing it in a certain way yeah because i mean i i've i don't i've seen interviews with norman j warren he just he came across as a lovely bloke i don't see him if, if he ever thought there was anything wrong with it or mean yeah. about it i don't think he would make it no no that's true and that comes that comes up a lot yeah when we watch films for the podcast you know where we're sort of oh from 2023 it's a bit mm. But in 1977, that would be quite progressive. Yeah. Just just having this lesbian couple at the heart of the film makes it progressive. Yeah. I would also like to throw this out there, and I I, I apologize if this isn't correct, but I believe the writer that Norman J. Warren worked with a lot was gay. Not on not on this film, but I believe he he wrote Satan's Slave, he wrote terror i want to say hmm. i feel like he has a role in yeah it, it's, it's the guy who plays the the priest in a flashback scene in satan's slave and i'm sure he plays a tv reporter in terror his name's david mcgillivray i i may be misremembering this and like i said i apologize if it's not true but i i am fairly certain he's gay 
Okay. Okay. That, that he also he yeah. also wrote quite a few of Pete Walker's movies. Yeah. Um Which I mean, if if that is true, which I'm fairly certain it is, but um, then it would again it would shine a different light on it because we understand the kind of director's feelings towards that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 And every everything's a sign of the time it was made. Everything is a product. Yeah. When it was made, and you know, obviously we do overanalyze on this podcast um so maybe you know it is open for another interpretation yeah yeah no i think so maybe i'm just a pessimist <laughs> well, i think it's, it's good to look at stuff like this because it can give you a greater appreciation of yeah yeah it, like whether you like the message that you're reading into it or not, it, it's something else besides it just being a campy sci-fi movie. Like, yes. It gives it a greater depth, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, and that's one of the things that struck me the first time I wrote, I wrote first time I watched it, um, because I I just couldn't believe there was a lesbian couple as the main characters. You know, regardless of what Joe's like, I thought that was great for a film in 1977. And I also have to say when. Well, I don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. When Gary said we were covering Prey for this episode, I was a little like, what? Why Prey? You know, I was like, oh, God. Are we going to get an episode out of it? And then watching it, I was like, okay, Chris, you really misremembered this film. I really... I I was thinking it's completely different. I was like, what's even gay about it? hundred hundred percent because I saw the list of films and I'm not gonna lie, I picked Prey because I was like, Oh, I love Norman J. Warren. Let's do that. And then I remembered it was a Pride Month episode and I was sat there thinking, Well, it's a lesbian couple, but is that as far as it goes? And then you watch it with that filter in your brain and you think, God, it's so heavy on it all the yeah. way through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um kind of like um it's a very similar vein to vampires, the uh Jose oh, Laraz. Jose Laraz, yeah. Doesn't feel too far removed from that. But I feel yeah. that's that's probably a lot more on the uh, exploitation side of things. And can we just say that how refreshing it is, no matter how Joe crum, crum, comes across in the film, if you know any other filmmaker had made this, the alien would have been the lesbian. You know, yeah. the whole lesbian vampire thing was done so much during the 70s. And I like Jose <laughs> yeah. you know, vampires. I, I enjoyed that film. But the whole lesbian vampire thing had really been played out. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see that the lesbian couple weren't the um, sort of foreign entity yeah. of the film. You know, they weren't the creatures. Yeah. I feel as though, as well... I, Again, I, I you know I was born in 1998, so this might be way off. But I get the impression from looking back at media from like the 60s and 70s when you talk about gay couples, I feel like a lot of the focus was on men, not women. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if if ever there was a gay character, like, I mean, you look at some of our gentles early films and like there's comedic gay characters in there, and it's always a guy with a like a neckerchief and a sort of ooh, I like attitude. Yeah, but. And and if ever there was a lesbian couple, it always felt like it was there for T and A, rather than yeah. it, just so you didn't have some yeah. hairy flat ass bloke doing whatever he was doing. You've got two women there instead, which is going to appeal to more of the audience. But this it manages to kind of have a little bit of T and A in there. But the the lesbian plot is 
fleshed out enough to warrant being there for other things than just sex value. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think in, in cinematic history, I do think lesbian women are forgotten a lot. Yeah. And mm. the idea that TNA in films is okay. And it's okay for straight men. It's okay for straight women. It's okay for gay men. And it's okay for gay women. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all, all deserve a little TNA sometime on the, <laughs> when we're watching films. And I think that is always something that's been forgotten because the lesbian scenes were always, or, or at least they felt like they were always for the male gays. Mm-hmm. Whereas I do think that the the sex scene, you know, going back to the sex scene, which is a big part of the film, actually, which I didn't realise would be. Um, but going back to that scene, it didn't feel like that was made for men. No. Because it felt intimate. Yeah. It felt like there was a loving couple there. It There wasn't all the close-ups of different body parts. Yeah. And I, I actually really appreciated that. And yeah. my rating for this film, as we're discussing it, has gone up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> well, back to the uh, Death of the Fox party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about a film. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jessica, she, uh, she asks Anders Anderson to uh, cut the cake. And Joe is like, no, this is my cake. And uh, she cuts him a slice. He eats a bit and goes to the bathroom. And Jessica says, Joe, do you realise we haven't seen him eat anything since yesterday? And Joe's like, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I think he ate the chickens. Yeah. Because he hasn't eaten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, a subsequent game of hide-and-seek brings out more of the hunter in Anders Anderson, and it is a fucking camp game of hide-and-seek. He's still in, in the dress, yes. and there was a scene where the two <laughs> women are hiding behind the curtain, and he appears... at the window. It's, a, it's only a game. And they just, like, scream the place down. <laughs> That is the camp that I signed up for. <laughs> Can we say as well, I, I'm, there's a bit in this where it's implied that she's wanting to get Anderson by himself so she can kill him because she's constantly carrying around that knife. Yeah. yeah. Behind the curtain and she, she has it there. Can we... Is there any way you could possibly be stealthy with that knife? It's, <laughs> it's basically a fucking sword that folds in half. It's huge. Following him through the woods and she clicks it out. I'm surprised. (laughs) It's bigger than her fucking face. It's bigger than her wig. It is bigger than us saying saying something. That's why she hides it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe is disturbed to find that the to find the uh, the fox carcass stripped back, uh, stripped bare, (laughs) stripped back. This is a long episode. Okay, I would be disturbed. It's a warm room. It's a long episode, ladies. I'm stripping back for this one. (laughs) She would be disturbed at that. She'd be fucking so annoyed if that fox came back to life. (laughs) She'd be. She's gonna sing country roads. (laughs) Well, maybe. Um. 
Yeah, she realized the animal was not caught in the trap as she and Jessica fought. So Jessica angrily rejects the warnings about Anders. Um, she interrupts, uh, interpreting, oh my God, my words are failing me now, interpreting her fear as jealousy and revealing that she knows the truth about Simon. <laughs> you know the funniest part of all this is when um, Joe's in bed and Jessica wakes her <laughs> up and Joe just says, oh, you bitch, you scared me. <laughs> I have to say every time, and it's, I, I don't know why, but in particularly with an English accent in films, the word bitch just, it makes, it makes me giggle. She said, oh, you bitch, you scared me. Joe says it a lot. There's this. something about films and particularly the English accent. What is, what was it in Robocop 3? Oh, well, we yeah. were in hysterics. <laughs> yeah. Where the guy's like, we're dead, you stupid slags. <laughs> <laughs> so why is the guy saying this on the American film? Like, <laughs> stupid slags. Oh, you bitch, you scared me. My friend Jackie picked up on that because I was on headsets with watching it and I just heard <laughs> the thing when she said that. I was like, thank God it's not just me. <laughs> The next morning, Joe arms herself with that knife and uh, stalks him, uh, stalks Anders Anderson as he hunts swans nearby. And uh, So he definitely ate the chicken. He definitely, he ate, definitely the chicken. ate the chicken. Yeah, yeah, I think like that's, swans. A, that's a safe assumption. Um, her attempt to uh, eliminate him is, uh, is ruined when she's called for by Jessica, who notices her gone when she wakes up. Anders Anderson starts to drown when he walks into the river, alerting Jessica with his screams. Now... This scene goes on for fucking ever. Like, I mean, we see them rescuing him in slow motion for easily like 10 minutes or so. It's, it, it confused me because we, it, it looked, it would look great in a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Because it kind of looks like potentially someone's trying to drown someone else. Mm -hmm. But we know that he's just, you know, struggling in the water and yeah. the two women are actually trying to save him so the slow-mo and that incredibly loud sort of synthesized soundtrack doesn't quite make sense no. would you like to know why it's in slow-mo uh yes so they recognized that thrashing about in that horrible black water was not going to be healthy for anybody so yeah. they decided to film it in slow motion so that they wouldn't have to be in the water for as long Okay. And they, they basically just filmed more than they needed. So what they filmed was probably about 15 seconds of them kind of thrashing. But the producer, Terry Marcel, really liked the footage and made Norman keep the whole lot in, which Norman absolutely hated. He was like, it goes on for too long, but Terry Marcel just liked the footage. That is why that scene is, is there. That definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. And they had to have injections before yeah. Yeah. happened, didn't they? Because... Yes, I've never seen water as dirty as that. No. You know... <laughs> And it, you know, the slow-mo does add something when you see it going in their mouths and their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it does add a sort of really horrible queasy quality to it. I'll give it that. Well, um, whilst the uh, the two women clean themselves up, uh, Anders Anderson kills and consumes Wally. So yeah. that's where he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, inter again, interesting and, and maybe a bit of a, a goof on the film's part. 
but he doesn't know what water is. Like they keep talking about water, but he doesn't understand mm -hmm. water and, and why he can't go into the water and search. But again, and I keep coming back to it because I think it's funny. He's there on the blower having a old chin wag with the mothership, <laughs> talking in perfect English. <laughs> Is that water? What's water? Do you know something? I, I don't know why, but I think it's a really creepy moment when they say, oh, what were you doing on with near the lake? And he said, walking. And they're like, what, walking on the water? And he just doesn't answer. <laughs> it's, it's, it might be the first real indication they get that he's not human because they've, yeah. they've got no reason to believe he killed the chickens or he killed the fox or anything up on well until they find it obviously but i don't know there's just something about the delivery of that line i think mm. is quite i don't know uneasy because they, they both seem to react to it and they don't know what to make of it yeah and if he did walk on the water Why is, do you fall is therefore a religious allegory <laughs> as well <laughs> Don't add that one. Ignore me. Ignore what I just said. Let's not get into that. Well, I know what you're thinking. We haven't had any lesbian drama in a while. So Jessica tells Joe that she's no longer willing to be controlled and is leaving with Anders Anderson. And uh, Joe's like, stop it. Stop it, you stupid little cow. <laughs> And completely outraged, she knocks Jessica unconscious and uh, runs into the woods to dig a grave for her. A very, very professional grave. Yeah, very professional grave. She didn't I... just knock her unconscious. Start smashing her head against <laughs> the uh, the floor. Yes. I think this this whole argument and fight is quite upsetting, actually, because mm. it, it it's so over the top. I'd like. I know, obviously, she wasn't hitting her head off that plant pot or whatever it was, but it looks like she is. And yeah. it's that bit where she just goes quiet. It's like, oh, well, that's horrendous. Like, you know, this, this, the toxicity of this relationship has just peaked. <laughs> they do a great job. Both actresses, they do a 100%. really great job, especially in this scene. It's, they do, actually. They're really good in this scene. Considering the actress playing Jessica, I think this was her first role. Yeah. Or it gives it a really early on for her yeah yeah they both do well uh, and just... also props props to barry stokes for picking her up off the floor because that is apparently a very difficult thing to do is to pick like a limp body off like from the yeah floor. Mm -hmm. yeah like wasn't in um in guardians of the galaxy where they had to build a fake chris pratt for uh yes. for nebula to carry oh yeah <laughs> My favourite Chris Pratt. <laughs> um, Joe tells Anders Anderson that she knows what it's like to be fleeing from a psychiatric hospital and implies that she escaped from one herself. <gasps> oh. Who did? Joe. Joe. Yeah, of course it was Joe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was Jessica. <laughs> that would have been a twist. <laughs> Um, upon waking up, Jessica seduces Anders Anderson, um, and as they start to have sex, his predatory instincts are stirred, which causes him to revert to his natural form, face paints back, and uh, he tears open her throat and murders her. Poor Jessica. Animal parts from a butcher shop uh, were used for this scene, and uh, they had to be frozen before shooting, oh. much to the shock and surprise of the actors. Yeah. <laughs> 
I because I I was a little confused the first time I watched it, but I understood it better this time. Why, after being potentially murdered by her girlfriend, Jessica wakes up and then has sex with Anders? But I think what I didn't understand is what she says before they have sex, where she talks about um, people belonging to each other. Mm. And if she belonged to him, would he take her to London and away from Joe um, with him, you know, yeah, and, and take her to, because she thought he was from London mm-hmm. and was returning there. Yeah. So her way of, you know, um, suggesting to him that he possesses her is to have sex with him. I found it quite jarring the first time I watched it, but I understood it a bit better this time. Yeah. About why she would decide at that point she was going to have sex with Anders. But I think it makes more sense with mm-hmm. what she says beforehand. And then obviously Anders gives in to his animalistic instincts yeah. whilst having yeah. sex with her, becomes more aggressive whilst they're having sex and eventually kills her. Yeah. Um, after becoming his, uh, what is it, Kator sort of real mm-hmm. self. So I thought it was quite interesting, actually, that scene. I feel like it serves a lot more purpose than just to show a bit of blood. I feel like it was her not only getting back at Joe in the only way she could think to do in the moment, but also getting involved like that with someone as far away from Joe as possible, like... She, he is everything that Joe hates, and this mm. is her into that. And it just it feels as though it's it's a dig at Joe, a way of getting back at her rather than anything Because obviously, if 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 she was interested in Anderson in any way, they could go off together, and things could happen elsewhere. But the fact that she felt the need to kind of instigate it then and there, knowing that Joe was around, yeah, makes it yeah, feel yeah. as though maybe they wanted to be discovered or that she, I don't know, in some way was exercising some part of herself that Joe had put in there, that she belonged to her, and it was her way of, like, unshackling herself. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I, this time round, that's what I yeah. felt. Yeah, yeah. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, it, it did, it was quite jarring. I was like, why would she decide this is the moment? Mm. Like, get yeah. your out of there yeah. before she kills you. Well, she does come back. Um, and when she finds Jessica's corpse, she tries to flee, but falls into the open grave just as Anders Anderson catches up with her, and she screams as the scene fades to black. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's screaming at him Mm. or because he's naked. (laughs) (laughs) He is nude at this point. He is. And she hates everything about men, and she probably hates <laughs> that his penis is out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I don't mind a fade to black death scene. I thought hers maybe would have been a bit grander, to yeah. be fair, but she is instrumental in her own undoing. Mm-hmm. She is the one who, whose sort of jealousy and paranoia made her invite Anders for dinner 
And that, in yeah. many ways, instigated everything that happened in the film, resulting in Jessica and her death. Mm. She literally dug she her literally, own grave. She literally, literally dug her own grave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you realise as well, there's a bizarre... I mean, personally, I think, just from a spectacle standpoint, the ending is quite good. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think it is. it plays off really well. But there's a really weird moment just before she trips where all the sound cuts out. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think what do we think that is? Do we think that's just for like atmosphere, or do we think that's because they fucked up? <laughs> I've it's I, very, very if good. it was an accident, it's a good accident because I liked it. I thought it, I it, it you know added to the atmosphere of the film, but it doesn't make me wonder how uh, whether it was on purpose or not. Yeah, yeah, I think it was deliberate. Yeah, an artistic choice. Yes. Well, sometime later, Anders Anderson leaves the house and calls his mothership on an alien transceiver. Again, he's having another chat with them. And he hungrily watches two girls walk along the river and he advises his superiors to dispatch more of his kind to Earth now. That is the end, but it almost wasn't the end because they originally planned to film a sequel that would continue to follow his encounters with other humans uh, entitled Human Prey, where he'd go around uh, pubs and ultimately end with a horrific, massive alien invasion. But because it only had limited success, it never happened. Yeah. Unfortunately. He says to the mothership, he says, Ktor calling command ship, send advanced parties immediately. I've now established humans high in protein and easy prey. <laughs> so we know it's protein, but we don't know water. <laughs> <laughs> That's prey. That is prey. Yeah. Surprisingly layered. <laughs> very layered, very layered. Do you remember when you said, um, oh, this episode ain't going to reach two hours? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's not that far off it. Are we not far off two hours? We're not far off no. two hours. Talking about Prey, the whole film. A film that's an hour and 25 minutes long. It yeah. astounds me when we get episodes that are longer than the actual film. <laughs> we could have just sat here and read out the script <laughs> and gotten a shorter episode. <laughs> I was going to say that happened with Blood Feast, but to be fair, Blood Feast is still like an hour long, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. that was pretty easy to do. But yeah, I mean, we've excelled ourselves there. Yeah, and it's it's great. I really enjoy Prey. I think it's, it's a really good film. I, I think it was. This second watch, I appreciated it a lot more than I did the first time because I didn't have expectations to it. Yeah. Once, yeah. once I remembered what the film was actually about, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't, I wasn't expecting a camp all time. And when I wasn't delivered, you know, I knew mm-hmm. it was going to be a slow burn. So I wasn't, I didn't switch off. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I'd, uh, most of the time when it comes to analysing films, unless I really put the effort in, I'm pretty torn deaf to stuff. Mm. But I, I feel as though, having spoken to you two, this is going to be a film I'll enjoy more in future having heard other people's thoughts on it at the same yeah. time as because now i realize not necessarily how much is there but how much can be there if you want it to be uh-huh yeah because it's easy to be like yeah it's a film where an alien crash lands and there's two lesbians and then he rips one of the throats out and kills the other one at the end like in a you know a skeleton form it is that but it's quite impressive that it's adaptable enough to be read into in the way that we've read into it. I think it's props to the film, really. Yeah, definitely. It makes me want to uh, rewatch his other films as well. See if uh, 
there's any other sort of like layers to those. I mean, you know, maybe Bloody New Year isn't weird. Maybe it just makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said earlier, everything is a product of its time. Yeah. And seeing this within the context of films in 1977, horror films in 1977, British horror films in 1977 yeah. there really is a lot of substance there that makes it stand out now if this was released next week I don't think I would have appreciated it as much as I because I would be like mm, you know come on guys you know this isn't yeah this you know it's 2023 but within that context and I think it's very important when analyzing a film to realize the context of yeah. where this is coming from, it gives a greater appreciation to what Norman J. Warren and the cast and crew have created here. Yeah. Yeah. And just <laughs> from, from conception to final product, this was three months. It was shot in 10 days. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It, it's more than I could do. I know you can point and laugh and be like, oh, well, the makeup's a bit shit, but like, I think it works, like I said at the start, it works a lot well than it should, it works a lot well, it works a lot better than it should. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. On every level, on a, on a kind of analysis level and the technical level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can forgive certain things when the rest of it makes up for yeah. it. I think, yeah. you know, and I don't want to get into it too much, but for me, a, a five-star film doesn't have to be a perfect film for every single second. You know, mm. you weigh it up and you take into... This is what I do, and I'm not telling anyone else to do mm. it, but this is what I do. I weigh it up within the context, within, you know, budgets and stuff like that, because I think it is important. Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can rate a film 10 out of 10, and you can rate a different film 10 out of 10, but it can be two very, very different 10 yeah. out of 10. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get to the awards. Ooh. Biggest queen. Who wants to go first? I'll go first because you know what? Fuck men. It's Joe. <laughs> it is Joe. I think she's the biggest queen. I may not agree with everything, but you know, she had an opinion and she stuck to her guns. And yeah, I can respect that. Yeah, I've got Joe as well. Yeah, I, I've been the odd one out here. I've just put Lady Anderson for a very shallow reason. Just that, that initial turnaround, isn't she lovely? I just say, <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, isn't she lovely? <laughs> like, it's, like it's a beauty pageant. Yeah. Isn't she a girl? <laughs> uh, biggest gasp, I've got Anders Anderson killing Jessica. I went with Barry Stokes' penis making an appearance at the end. <laughs> you do get a cheeky glimpse, don't you? You yeah. do, you do. Bless Barry. Uh, biggest gasp, I have put the swamp scene because I think it's absolutely rancid. <laughs> oh, that is vile, absolutely vile. Uh, best dialogue, I've got, you've been acting stupid all day, Jessica. I think that man is contaminating the house because it actually sums up the entire film. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is it's true. incredible how much of this film's runtime is. He needs to leave. Yeah, this, <laughs> we need we need to get him out of here. Like it feels like about forty five minutes of the film. It's just her going. We need to get him out of here. Uh, I went with, oh, you bitch, you scared me. 
Knew it. Knew it. Um, I struggled with this. So I haven't picked anything specific, but what I have written word for word is anything Joe said about men. Yeah. <laughs> Which is it's broad strokes with this script, but Christ alive, I couldn't pick. And finally, that's camp. I have the obvious Anders Anderson playing hide and seek and drag. Yeah, 100%. Cooey, it's only a game. <laughs> <laughs> the only winner of that award. And the ratings, I give it seven stupid cows out of ten. I give it seven foul breeders out of ten. <laughs> I give it seven dead foxes out of ten. Masterpiece, trash piece, trash or basic. It's really none of the above. It's just a, a camp old fun time. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting watch, yeah. actually. And I didn't think I would end this episode saying that, but it's 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 an interesting film. Yeah, 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 and I think it is a film that people, you know, who are into this sort of thing would enjoy. Yeah, you know, it. Yeah, um, it's. I, I think it's it's one of those films that where kind of the more you let it get away with, the more you get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I went into, I the first time I I saw this film, I was expecting like a Don Dola kind of laser guns pew pew early yeah. kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't get that. Was disappointed. Then subsequently, I've gone on to watch it, and it's why, why I think rewatches are so important. Because when you've got more of an idea of what you're about to watch, you can appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. But again, you look at it in this context, and it is a it's a strangely layered film that I feel like we've given a review that was far more positive than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. It's imperfect but it's yeah it, it's surprisingly thoughtful in both good and bad ways I would say. Yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah a lot more nuanced than I actually yes uh, if you want to check it out yourself, it's available on Blu-ray and video on demand. And if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out Extro, another British alien film, but one that's way more over the top. And yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I say if you enjoy this, check out Symptoms, oh, yeah. the uh, Jose Larraz film um, about a weird stranger in a big house. Big posh house. Is Angela Pleasant in that? She is, yeah. Yeah, it's not what I'm thinking. Honestly, I haven't seen it. I just know that she is in it. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'll take that recommendation. I actually said Extra as well. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Extra is what I went into this expecting the first time yeah. I saw it. Yeah. Wishiness. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Pray Let Us Know on social media, we're Horrorcourt Trash Over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. And Delight like Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazma205 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd and Instagram. And a week Saturday, we will be hosting our first ever film festival. Yes. We've plugged it to death on here, but we'll plug it again. It's Gaz Horror Fest across all social media. Get well, your tickets now. Yeah, come, come say hi. Come say hi. And if you enjoyed. Oh no, don't talk to me in public. Oh, oh no. <laughs> what? Don't talk to me. Okay, that's not going to encourage people to buy tickets, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's not going to encourage people to listen to us. Fucking hell. Uh, 
No, give you will only listen to me. Don't talk to me. Oh, no, I can't interact with people. <laughs> give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. Ben, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'd love to tell you, but I forgot to write it down, so I'm doing it from memory. Uh, I am Ben <laughs> S. Simpson on TikTok, and I'm ben.simpson.1998 on Instagram, I believe. <laughs> You'll be tagged on all the posts, so everyone can find you through that. that. And thank you so much for joining us again. Apparently, we only see good films of you. What did you say? Sorry, I'm totally uh, okay. what you were talking about. That. <laughs> Sorry. We uh, we only discuss good films of you, apparently. Um, I think we discuss films that we initially think we're going to tear to pieces and then yeah. end up really enjoying. So, but I'm down for that. I'm there for it. I, yeah, I can't wait to see what film we re-evaluate next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go proper trash to piece. Undeniable trash. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Cinderella 2000 was what we were meant to be doing. Oh, no. As soon as... Let's not time. forget. Yes. yes. If we can get that Al Addison box set, we will absolutely do Cinderella 2000. Yes. Has to be done. Uh, or just a Renee Harmon episode. <laughs> Retrospective. God, I forgot she was in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Took a piece of celery off. <laughs> but yes, thank you again. Um, you're always a fantastic guest. We love having you on, and we will definitely do another episode soon. Yes, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And we will be back next week where we are discussing another film with many layers. And then a film that's quite short that'll probably take a long time to discuss. We'll be discussing Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Yeah. And we'll be joined by Life's But a Song podcast to discuss it. Sophisticated queens here. Yeah. We're going, we're going Sophisticated high, murdering we're queens. We're going high class yeah. with Rope. <laughs> yes. <Sounds dirty. laughs> We'll be back same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye.